So there's a 14-year-old boy, and he sat in the back of a youth conference, and he was listening to the speaker, but he was trying to keep his eyes open. Uh, He was trying to stay awake as best he could, um, because perhaps the night before he was trying to plan his escape from his hotel room, Um, maybe staying up late watching TV, playing video games, maybe getting buckets of hot water to see if he stuck his friend's hand in them, if they truly would wet the bed. But something caught his attention that night. He heard the speaker say, there's a difference between knowing about Jesus and knowing Jesus. And if you don't know Jesus personally as your Lord and Savior, then you won't be spending eternity with him. So later that night, as his friends were either asleep, playing video games, or some other preoccupied, he decides he's going to sneak out. He's going to go try and find his youth pastor and ask some questions under the cover of darkness. I know Jesus is my Savior. I do repent of my sins, and I've answered all these questions before, but this boy had not truly surrendered his life to the Lord. And after a night of conversation, he was baptized that next day. And so you may ask why he waited to sneak out. Why didn't he want his friends to see? Perhaps they would make fun of him. Perhaps he was afraid of what they would say and being teased. In short... Because at that point in my life, I was Nicodemus. And see, in John chapter 3, Nicodemus does this very thing under the cover of darkness. His curiosity is piqued. He wants to know more, but not enough to risk being made fun of, being outcast. Not enough to risk being spotted, having a conversation with Jesus. And regardless of the conversation that they have, it probably didn't plan out the way Nicodemus had hoped. See, in chapter 3, he comes to the Lord because he knows that he is a teacher from God, because he has seen the signs, and only God can do those signs. So Nicodemus is curious. Jesus, i got to know more. You're a special guy. I know that you, you are doing these signs. I know that you're from God, and i got to know more. And Jesus almost interrupts him. Nicodemus doesn't even ask a question. He just comes to him and says, I know that you're a teacher from God. And Jesus says, time out. You better listen to what I'm about to tell you. He says it multiple times throughout his ministry, but Jesus says twice, truly, truly. When you hear those phrases, even today, when you read that in Scripture, pay attention to what comes next. Jesus is setting up Something that is very important. He wouldn't waste his words telling you twice. Better listen. Deuteronomy 19 says, One witness is not enough to convict anyone, for a matter is only established with two or three witnesses. Paul mentions this again in 2 Corinthians 13. He says, Every charge must be established by two or three witnesses. Jesus knows that the Jews are very important and very, they have a very big emphasis on testimony. Something is established as true when two people say that it's true. And so Jesus says, truly, truly, Nicodemus, 
You better pay attention. And what does he say? Truly, truly, you must be born anew in order to see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus says, how in the world can one be born again? How is that even possible? I don't get it. Jesus' answer, truly, truly, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of heaven. And the emphasis here is on the Spirit, because Jesus goes again to say, for what is born of the flesh is of the flesh, but what is born of the Spirit is Spirit. And he says, do not marvel at what I say to you, that you must be born again. He expects Nicodemus to have some sort of understanding, because after all, Nicodemus is a Pharisee. Nicodemus is a learned guy. He's been to seminary. He hangs out with all the really smart pastors in the area. Nicodemus, you're a theologian. You ought to get this. In fact, when he says, don't marvel that I say to you that you must be born again, the Greek word for you there is actually plural. Jesus is saying, y'all. Do not marvel that I say to y'all, y'all got to be born again. Or in Mississippi, y'all best believe you got to be born one more time. <laughs> He's speaking to Nicodemus as a representative of a larger people. The Pharisees, the Jews, the world. He says man must be born of the Spirit. And for us today, Christians, if we don't live with the Holy Spirit, that's not optional. Jesus doesn't say, if you want to, you can be born of the Spirit. Jesus doesn't say, only on Sundays you can be born of the Spirit. Jesus says, you must be born of the Spirit. And that's a struggle. Nicodemus, this learned guy, he struggles with it. Again, he asks, how can this be? How? I don't get it. And Jesus' reply here might, might sound a little harsh to us. It might sound uh, like he's a little frustrated, but he's holding Nicodemus accountable. Our scripture tells us that not everyone should become teachers because you will be judged more harshly if you're a teacher of the word. And Jesus holds him accountable. He says, you're the teacher of Israel and you don't understand this? You're the teacher of Israel and you don't get it? Now, if you don't think Jesus was a real dude, that he was fully human, you got to dive more into your Bibles. Because to me, if I'm hanging out with my buddies and they say something pretty dumb, I'm going to let them have it. And this man comes to Jesus and what seems to me a pretty sarcastic answer, you're the teacher of Israel. You, you don't get it? We're talking about spiritual matters here. you got like three degrees. You hang out with all the, the theologians of your time and you don't get it. And Jesus replies, truly, truly. Listen up, Nicodemus. You guys haven't believed anything that I've been telling you. I've sent witnesses to you. I've sent disciples of mine to you. And it says in the scripture, y'all have not been believing the witnesses and testimonies presented to you. Again, in Mississippi terms, I've been trying to tell y'all. I've been trying to tell y'all that Tennessee athletics is not going to stay down forever. <laughs> I've been trying to tell y'all. Jesus looks at Nicodemus and says, we've been trying to tell y'all. You just won't listen. 
then he goes on in verse 14 to say, just as Moses was lifted up, just as Moses lifted up the serpent, so the Son of Man must be lifted up, that whoever believes in him will have eternal life. And this is, this is interesting here because he's using a reference all the way back to Numbers 21. All the way back to when the Israelites are, are roaming in the wilderness. And Nicodemus would understand this reference because he is that scholar, because he is the learned Pharisee. As the teacher of Israel, he would know exactly what Jesus was referring to. The Israelites are walking through the desert. They've seen God do miracle after miracle. He's provided for them every single morning with manna from heaven. And what do they do? They complain. What do they do? They grumble and they complain. And God's had enough. It's kind of like when you're driving on a vacation. Are we there yet? I'm fighting with my brother in the back seat. Not that I would ever do that. And your dad says, I will turn this car around. <laughs> I had a friend of mine whose dad said that very thing. And they said, yeah, right. We've been driving for nine hours. We're almost to Disney. He ain't going to do it. One more time you hit your brother, I'm going to turn this car around. The exit before Disney. Whoop, we're going home. Mom looks at him and says, you're not serious. He said, oh, yes, I am. They go all the way home. The Israelites are complaining so much. God sends poisonous serpents into the Israelites' camp. Everyone that's bit will end up to die, will end up dead. They repent. God, we're sorry. We realize we could have had it a whole lot worse, like poisonous snakes everywhere. And God says, Moses, craft a bronze statue of a serpent and put it in the middle of the camp. And whoever looks and goes to that serpent will be saved and healed from their snake bites. Jesus is telling Nicodemus, remember that story? The only way you can be saved, the only way, is to lift up the Son of Man, just like Moses lifted up that serpent. Jesus is the only means of salvation. So we don't actually get to see a response from Nicodemus after this conversation. It goes into one of the most well-known verses in the entire Bible, John 3.16, but we don't see Nicodemus' response. Jesus gets the last word, conversation over, and if you're like me, I'm like, I need some closure. What happened? Where do we go from here? We actually see Nicodemus two more times in John. In John chapter 7, we don't get to know the direct response from John chapter 3, and we're kind of left knowing that Nicodemus was in that curiosity stage of his life. Maybe that's where you are. We've all been there. Hey, something about this Jesus guy has piqued my interest. I want to know more. And then in John chapter 7, this is an incredible part of Nicodemus' story because the Pharisees are all meeting together and they are mad because Jesus is preaching and they don't like what he's preaching. And so what do they do? They hire some people to go arrest him. Hey, you go, you go arrest Jesus and you bring him to us. And so they send these guys to go arrest Jesus. And in John chapter 7, verse 45, here's what happens. The officers then came to the chief priests and the Pharisees who sent them. And they, the Pharisees said to him, Why did you not bring him? 
They send him to arrest Jesus. They sat in the back, listened to Jesus preach, and were like, yeah, we ain't arresting that guy. The officers answered, no one has ever spoken like this man. The Pharisees answered him, so have you also been deceived? Have any of the authorities or Pharisees believed in him? But the crowd that does not know the law is accursed. Jesus was such a good preacher. He was such a good teacher that mercenaries that were literally hired to arrest him heard him talk and went, nah, we're not arresting that guy. Man, I preach on Sundays. I get a text from a mom that says, good job. I feel like Billy Graham. But Jesus <laughs> is preaching and people are going, nah, we think we like this guy. We were paid to arrest him, but we're not going to do that. And when they reported back, it was a pretty big deal. The Pharisees call all of the people that listen to Jesus cursed, including their own brethren, their own Pharisees that have listened to him. They, and that is a very big claim to make as a spiritual leader of the nation of Israel. You're all cursed. And then in John 7, verse, 20, verse 51, Nicodemus speaks up. Does our law judge a man? without first giving him a hearing or learning what he does? And they look at him and go, you too, Nicodemus? Really? See, Nicodemus is still in the midst of the Pharisees. He's still hanging with his friends. He's still in a position of authority, but he still understands that there's something special about Christ. There's something special about this man, Jesus. And he sticks his neck out just a little bit to defend him. See, Nicodemus is on the fence. He's straddling the fence. He's got one foot with the Pharisees, but he's also got one foot with Jesus. So my question this morning is, are we trying to please God or are we trying to please the world? Nicodemus is trying to do both. Paul tells us in Galatians 1, if we seek to please man, then I should not be a servant of God. John 12, 43, for they loved the praise of man more than the praise of God. And Revelation 3 has some strong wording. If we're not hot or cold, but lukewarm, trying to stay right in the middle, Christ will spit us out of his mouth. We can't serve two masters. You've got to take a stand on one side of the fence. But for Nicodemus, this was a move in the right direction. The same guy who is terrified to even be seen with Jesus is now sticking his neck out a little bit in front of his friends. Hold on a second. And we last see Nicodemus in John chapter 19. Jesus has been crucified and here comes Nick. 75 pounds of myrrh and aloes. This was a big deal. Jesus is dead. He was deemed a criminal. He was deemed a blasphemer. And Pharisees don't hang out with those kind of people. You're a higher standard. How dare you go to someone who claimed to be God in the flesh? How dare you go to the burial of a criminal? But not only did he go, he brought the burial spices. Nicodemus didn't care. And as a spiritual leader, you don't touch, you don't touch dead bodies. That makes you unclean. Days and weeks of ritual cleansing. Pharisees didn't do this. This was usually a woman's job. You go and clean the bodies and prepare them for burial. 
Nicodemus didn't care. Everything about what Nicodemus does in John 19 is a no-no for a Pharisee in that time. Nicodemus did it anyway. He could have lost his job, could have lost his friends, could have lost his status. Somewhere between John chapter 7 and John 19, Nicodemus decided that he was going to lift up the Son of Man. Somewhere he decided, I'm going to be born again of the Spirit no matter what it costs me. I'm going to follow Jesus. So church, where are we today? Are you at that first curiosity stage? Man, there's something about this Jesus guy. I just, I want to know more. Talk to somebody. Ask questions. God's not afraid of your questions. Seek him. Talk to Barry, Ben, Linda, Renee, anybody. Maybe you're on the fence. Oh, I know Jesus. But I really like the things of the world too. You got to take a stand. Can't be lukewarm. Can't pick and choose when we're born of the Spirit. Maybe you're in here this morning and you're, I'm, look, I'm sold out for Jesus. I'm like Nicodemus. I'll bring the 75 pounds of myrrh and aloes. I'm, I'm in. And I ask you this this morning. Who are you bringing to Jesus? Who are you bringing to Jesus? Because Nicodemus was not magically just, oh, I'm interested in this Jesus guy. No, there was a guy in John chapter 1 who smelled bad, dressed funny, had a bad diet, lived out in the wilderness, but he actually caught the attention of the Pharisees. So much so that they sent people to him to ask him who he was. And they said, why are you baptizing if you're not Christ or a prophet? And John the Baptist responds, I baptize with water, but among you stands one that you do not know. Even he who comes after me, the strap of whose sandal I am unworthy to untie. John the Baptist set the stage so that Nicodemus could know Jesus. If you're a sold out follower of Christ, if you love Jesus, who are you bringing to Jesus? I'm going to invite those that are helping me this morning with our senior recognition to come forward. And seniors, I ask you, as you get ready to go into this new phase of life, as you get ready to go, whether that's into the workforce, whether that's into college, whether, whatever that is, where are you? Are you still searching? Are you on the fence? Are you a devoted follower of Christ? But I challenge you to do this. Ask those questions. Make that decision. Surround yourself with people before you go into this next phase of life. Because you're going to have things thrown at you like never before. And if you don't have people around you, if you're not walking with Jesus, it's going to be tough. But know that you always have people here that love you, that are praying for you, and that want the best for you. David?